Hello, this is a podcast for the sermon for Sunday the 24th of April in our season of Easter. My name's Scott and uh, this is the sermon for St Mary's Church in Richmond. Does anyone follow the darts? Well, little did I know that this week there's been darts. The Premier League darts tour went to Aberdeen at the end of this last week. Now on Thursday, Andrew and I were in Coach A on our train to Aberdeen. Our bikes were in Coach K at the other end. Now we didn't know about the darts, but we did notice that our coach was getting a little bit loud and the drinks were flowing uh, quite freely. And before we reached Aberdeen, Andrew and I had to walk from Coach A through to Coach K, dressed in our cycle gear, ready to go. Coach B, it turned out, was a little bit louder. Coach C was very loud. By the time we reached Coach J, We received a great round of applause as we walked down the gangway with chants of It's Mark Cavendish. Then there was Coach K. Coach K rose as one in a standing ovation, giving us a guard of honour as it seems I had now become... Sir Bradley Wiggins. I don't quite have his figure. Such things can leave mental scars on a young man. And by a young man, I, of course, mean Andrew. Other scars can be more physical. Our James was, I think, about seven years old when uh, we... On our way to church on a Sunday morning, we turned our bikes into French gates. He did not turn his bike. And to this day, he has a scar on his forehead, having hit the wall of number 20 French gate. It was painful at the time, but it was quite a cool scar to have going through school in a world getting to know Harry Potter. Today, we continue to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but also uh, thinking of today's reading, where Jesus comes into the locked room and talks to the doubting Thomas, we also highlight the fact that he still carries the scars. His head, his hands, his side, his feet, all showing scars. Some ancient legends and visions, and some today claim that the most painful of all was a dislocated shoulder. Jesus having stumbled with the cross. 
Now, I am, for this sermon, with no apology, going to magpie ideas from three sources this morning. One from the Easter stories in the Bible. The second is our friend Pauline. And the third is from my much better half, Gillian. Um, when I preach this sermon at St. Mary's in Richmond, Gillian will be preaching her last sermon uh, whilst at Barnard Castle at her placement. Let's start with uh, uh, Gillian. She supervised this week the delivery of our second-hand table to the new house that comes with her job as curate, the new house in Middleham. And there to help the proceedings was also Mark and Margaret, bless them. And this table was, it's not really the problem. The problem is the narrow doors in this newish house. The table started outside the front door and they managed to get it inside, but were unable to turn it, to get it into the right room. So back it went outside and then inside through the garage. But again, it would not turn. Back outside it went, and then finally inside through the back door. And there it is uh, today. The uh, sofa, alas, was too wide and had to go back. It's a shame, it's a lovely sofa. The Passion Week what's this all about? The Passing Week leading up to the Passover feast, which we spread over two weeks, alternates between inside and outside. We began inside in the house of Lazarus, the first to be raised from the dead. His sister Martha served in the kitchen. Their sister Mary the first to wash feet, if you remember, in astonishingly expensive oils, drying the feet of Jesus with her hair. That is where our Passion uh, Week, well, fortnight for us, the Passion Week begins. They go outside and travel the short distance into the city. Jesus rides on a donkey exposed to the expectant crowds done Palm Sunday. Back inside, he celebrates the Passover meal with his friends. Judas leaves first and they meet again outside, outside in the garden in the darkness. He greets with a kiss. Master, now is the time. Master, now is your time. Our time. Inside. The crowds of the Sanhedrin have been summoned out of their beds in darkness, in judgment of Jesus, then to judgment by Pilate, 
then to judgment by Herod, then outside again to the expectant crowds, the procession to Calvary, the place of the skull. Inside. Inside for three days. And then. Then. Outside, firstly to the women, and Peter on Easter morning. Then this morning we return inside. The disciples in lockdown, scared, increasingly certain about their fate. Gillian preached on this two years ago at home online. This was in the first, and for most of us, the scariest lockdown. Of course, some even today are having to remain locked down in body and or mind. Gillian reminded us that the church family, our church family, tries and continues to try to break through online, on Zoom, YouTube, dial-in, phone calls, communion, morning prayer, and all the rest. Organ recitals, concerts, interviews, sing-along choral evensong, daily compline, weddings, baptisms, funerals. The rhythm of life breaking through yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We can and should be proud of what we have done. We remain thankful, for example, to all those negotiating the technology. All of us are aware, of course, of our calling to relentlessly support each other in the love of Christ. The Apostle Paul reminds us to never tire of doing good deeds. How easy it is to grow tired or to forget. Inside the locked room of the tired disciples, the risen Christ breaks in and changes everything. Blessed are those, he says, who do not see or hold or touch, and yet they believe. Now I am grateful to Pauline for she introduced me to something called Kintsugi. Uh, this is when, uh, it's a Japanese word, and it is an art form in which broken pottery, sometimes deliberately broken, but starting with broken pottery is remolded, glued together, 
and the lines where the breakages occurred are beautifully repaired in fine gold. Kintsugi, I think it's pronounced. Now, clearly, this is not um, somehow a Christian idea. But nothing illustrates beauty in brokenness as well as our Christ. He fully inhabits his identity as God's son through the scars he shows to his friends in their locked room. These scars then and today are not simply a nice touch, a comforting message in hard times. They are essential. These scars are necessary if we and others are to have a realistic pathway into healing in a damaged and damaging world. Some scars we know are caused by others. Many we cause ourselves. We cannot and will not proceed on the long journey of healing without our scared, scarred friend and guide. Because Jesus has already walked for us from death into life. He enters our broken and locked lives, shows us his scars, reaches out his hand. Peace I bring to you. We and the world can choose to remain with harsh and unforgiving closed minds. It may be our thoughts or words that seek to damage. Sometimes we scale up into missiles and into tanks. We, as Christians, are called to seek and show instead the cycle of love and forgiveness. We desire to show grace and forgiveness to others as somehow they may wonderfully, may also find the grace to forgive us. This is never easy. However hard we may find forgiveness and reconciliation, it pales in comparison to how hard it was and is for our God to be reconciled to us, to paraphrase our Lord's prayer. May we all commit to the lesser task of mutual reconciliation as God bears the scars of the much bigger task of being reconciled to each of us. Our God, today is 
love. Therefore, our God today bears his scars for us and offers today to you his healing and peace. Amen.